Things change from one generation to the next. Attitudes, politics, technology, even lifestyles. But when it comes to business, there's one thing every generation has in common. The pursuit of excellence. Welcome to Generation Excellence. A conversation with next-gen leaders of family businesses who are working to preserve the past and innovate the future. And now, here's the host of Generation Excellence and a third-generation business owner himself, Jamie Michelson. Jamie? On episode 22 of Generation Excellence, I'm joined by Joshua Bernard, who is a young man representing the second generation of Bernard Financial Group, a commercial mortgage banking firm that has been a key contributor to the revitalization of Detroit. Joshua began his career in New York and gained invaluable work experience he brings back home to Michigan. Well, since I asked some questions that made Joshua think about family business dynamics, he got me thinking as well. And you can't go wrong if there's a Tommy Boy movie reference. Please enjoy this episode with Joshua Bernard. Good afternoon, Joshua Bernard from Bernard Financial Group. I, I thank you for joining the Generation Excellence podcast. Where, where, where is this? Where am I finding you? Where are you right now? You're actually, you're finding me in my office. We, uh, you know, something kind of interesting we did was, was we kicked it around, but we didn't exactly go to one of those modern layout, sort of everybody on top of each other, trading floor offices over the last few years. People made fun of us for a little bit over it, but in the end of the day, we were always the mindset that if you have your own space, you know, the old school style mm-hmm. individual offices, you know, it gave you not just a safe space to do your work, but, but your own, your own realm, your own domain. And we stuck with it and turns out it worked out given, given Good. COVID and that, you know, here we are all socially distanced spread out. I would say seven tenths of our employees uh, really wanted to be back in the office. Sure. We gave them the option either way. Strict protocols, uh, uh, masks in the hallways, temperature checks on the way in, uh, no guests, uh, very, you know, very lots of really following the rules. But if we're off in our own offices, well, you can be away from your screaming children at home. So, you know, this podcast, uh, I mean, the good part is hope not having to spend tons of time talking about global pandemic and all that just to be more evergreen and that, you know, the, the, the legacy and longevity story of family businesses that they span, you know, good times, bad and deal with those things. But, okay. but it is the reality of the world we're living in. But I, you know, fortunate gotten to know your father over the years. And, and so you now have a business that I, if I'm, if I'm right, next year is going to be a 30th anniversary of what is now a generational family operation. I tell, what do you, how, so you've sort of basically grown up with this business. I'm not exactly sure how old you are, but what, what is, what is the founding story of the business that gets told in meetings or um, within the family or whatever? Well, there's more. (laughs) Right. There's the real story. Yeah, both. And there's, and there's then the way that I see it. And, you know, my, my dad was in, he was in a little bit of banking and a little bit of commercial real estate in Cleveland. He's from Cleveland originally. And he was dating this nice Jewish girl in Detroit. And there was an opportunity to 
uh, sort of open an office for the company that he'd been working for in Cleveland in okay. Detroit. And that allowed him the opportunity to, to sort of head uh, up to the greater Detroit area. Uh, that actually wasn't this business. That was a, a, a different company, but not too dissimilar. So I actually think that the story of this Bernard Financial Group actually has to do with my mom. Okay. And that there was this draw for my dad to go from one, I guess in the eighties at the time, sort of, sort of decrepit failing Great Lake city to Detroit, another decrepit failing <laughs> right. Great Lake city. I mean, how can you make your, you know, the fortunes, the streets are paved with gold in Detroit was something in the early 20th century. That wasn't, that wasn't 1986. Uh, but the opportunity for him to be with my mom, who's just so ingrained, not really in, in the business exactly, but just in our lives as a family, okay. she's the calming influence on, on my dad and on me and my siblings and I, I think there was this wonderful draw that she had that made it, well, hey, here's something I can do in the place where she wants to be. And so he started the business because, well, he was very good at real estate and very good at finance, but in Detroit, because that was the place to do it. That was where Halton. And, and when, he start, when he started the business, was it, uh, you know, the old expression, it's an overnight success, success that took years in the making, but was it immediately successful? Was it uh, tough at the beginning? What's, what's sort of the, the journey, the trajectory kind of thing? Yeah, you know, so I think if you asked him, he'd say he was a, you know, success out out the door. And I think if, I think that's actually true um, in that what's, what's interesting about our business is that you have, it's, it's, it's all about, it's people, it's connections, but it's, and networking, but it's also so very much about completely understanding the full package of commercial real estate from, from how an owner's looking at it to how a lender's looking at it to how the servicer ongoing will look at it and how to mix all of that together without inadvertently advising a client or a borrower to do the wrong thing or to do something that could lead to financial disaster in Great. the short term or the long term. Rather, how that everybody can go home being happy and, and, and have been successful and have made money from, from, from doing that opportunity. So, so I think it, I, he had this really remarkable series of prior uh, work related opportunities. He was a, an, a, he was at a bank for a little bit. He was at a rubber glove manufacturing company, okay. which uh, thought was maybe going to be the be all end all at one point until it wasn't when, that in itself became a generationalized business and the second generation didn't want to give this rising non-member of the family his comeuppance, his due. Okay. okay. And that's not something he and I actually probably talk about enough, come to think about it. You know, what are the things as we grow in the I'm second the generation that we don't want repeating? Right. And and so but, and what for the office that you were describing at the beginning is this not the original office the same office or was someone no, else no 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 so what's what, they, is, uh, what is your first memory of this of the business of 
visiting or being dragged to it or, 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 or it being around the table at home. Do you recall? Yeah, well, I think that has to come back a little bit to the previous question you had. Was it a success overnight? Okay. It was a lot of hard work and no, I don't think, you know, while he was getting clients and breaking in, there were plenty of years, like I, a hundred percent, I don't know if my siblings necessarily go back this far because I'm the eldest, but I mean, I do not remember having a real successful, uh, you know, let's just say the lifestyle that my parents lead now is a far cry from where my dad built this from. He doesn't come from anything interesting really, um, in terms of financial prowess. And so it's all sweat equity. Great. And so my first memory of the office is actually shared office space. That was like, even in itself might've been sublet space as I found Mm -hmm. out later in a fairly nondescript, rundown, single-story, nothing, 80s or 70s vintage, you know, suburban office park out in Farmington Hills. Okay. And that then led to needing a little bit of bigger space in that area, where instead of sharing office space, they kind of had their own little tiny, maybe, you know, thousand square foot, area lease that they leased themselves, which led to moving down the street into Southfield a little bit, which, which again, in still sort of very class B, uh, walk up, drive up, sure. single entrance office, not fancy, you know, uh, drop ceilings and, and gray carpeting and, and industrial, probably secondhand furniture at first. Uh, but they needed, you know, four or five spaces. Maybe that was 2000 square feet. And then in the early 2000s, this was early 90s, the early 2000s, they moved to the building that we're in, albeit in a different suite, but to the building that we're in now to uh, maybe a a three or 4,000 square foot suite that had a little nicer carpeting and a little bit of nicer furniture and bigger windows, that's for sure. And it wasn't on the ground floor. Mm -hmm. And that then led to the suite that we're in now, uh, you know, much, much larger now. I, I agree. And I we're, we're, we're in, we're in South, Southfield, Michigan, correct? Yeah, we're in the town center area uh, in 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 uh, a, a very nice, uh, mid, you know, mid-2000s build building. Very comfortable, very spacious. Great. Um, you know, I wouldn't necessarily say that it's, I, I don't know. I would rather pay our people more than I would have fancy offices. I understand. Um, I think everybody would appreciate that instead of spending a hundred bucks a foot on, you know, lawyer, fancy office space. I don't know. It's about, it, we, we have comfortable offices, but by no means do we have super fancy offices. And I think that that money is better spent on our people. Frankly. And with, within those offices, are, is there some, are, first of all, were you good at chronicling pictures or visuals of the journey of this business from the different offices or the archives, some, you know, that, that, captures the growth or the evolution of the business? That's a good question. I, I, I have to ask my dad on that one. Okay. I don't have any of those pictures, but that's also because I was a, I was a kid for so sure, much. Sure. I mean, I didn't exactly expect to come into this business. Well, I didn't know I was, what I wanted to do. We'll get, let's get to that in one yeah. second. And then, so the physical office, is uh, there some, um, you know, I haven't been in this office. So in uh-huh. your lobby, are, is there some key statement up on the walls or 
or some graphic thing that represents kind of the thematic of Bernard Financial Group or no, it's not in our logo. lobby. Okay. Or are on the wall. No, it's not a no, no, no. It's actually kind of funny. It's not in our lobby. It's actually in my office. Now, for those of you listening at home, you can't see the visual that I'm about to put up, but my dad put in a floor to ceiling, basically fat head, fat head of himself wearing a muscle man shirt on a beach somewhere, which if for anybody who knows my dad, I wouldn't exactly say that he's the Brad Pitt of, of individuals, more the Danny DeVito or quite the the physique I know, but okay. Yeah. Right, 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 right. Exactly. But you know, I I guess I would say (laughs) in every great business and every great family business, I mean, there is, you know, a picture of the founder somewhere. I mean, you walk into like a Marriott anywhere around the world and, and there is like Mr. a picture Marriott. of, 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 of a Marriott, right. Or, or, or I guess a Hilton's a better example, Conrad Hilton on the wall somewhere. And it actually makes me think of Tommy boy at Callahan automotive. There's all the pictures <laughs> of the Callahan's yeah. along the, yeah. along the wall. But, uh, but maybe that's, maybe that's a better, better foray into, into how we lovingly look at ourselves. But no, every every business has a picture of the founder, and mine just happens to be That's fine. a floor to ceiling fat head of my dad on the wall. I mean, so I mean, right there, that's it culturally says a place that you know is doing serious work, but you you keep you keep a right perspective about it, right? You can't take yourself. So go too go back to where right? you were going. So you 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 go to business school. You worked in you know some larger firms in New York. Were you, were you track, were you as a younger guy, even pre, you know, say high school years, were you, I'm going into the family business or were you on, on path to go do something very different? Where, what was your, what was that thinking? Yeah, that's a loaded question in a way. Cause maybe, maybe not. Mm-hmm. Um, because I know that it would be lying to myself if my parents, and I'm including my mom in this, but if my parents weren't pushing at least one of their children into commercial right. real estate. You've got my dad, Mr. Financier, Mr. Detroit, you know, Mr. I can stand on campus Marshall's park and do a 360 in and every we, single building. We were the involved. light touches. Yeah, exactly. Right. Right. The, uh, and my mom who, you know, had worked for developers and, and, and had been a, a, a broker and a developer and an architect, right. you know, two sides, you've got the massive commercial real estate and you've got the physical and the, the the trading nature of commercial real estate. Gee, I don't know how one of their three kids didn't wind up in in, in the business. You know, I was very much right brained, and you know, numbers came easy. The concept of finance and high finance came easy to me. And so, going to Michigan, going to Ross going to well, a school named for a real estate developer, it, was a, it, it, it wasn't a far cry to see how I could wind up doing something real estate related. And you look at where did I gravitate to when I started on Wall, in Wall Street, it was in real estate, in the investment banking side of real estate. It was in giant multi-billion dollar plus uh, bond pools secured by real estate. I worked in something called single asset, single borrower securities. So like um, be a re- really super tall tower, like like a big skyscraper in New York, 
it isn't necessarily held on a bank balance sheet or by a life insurance company's balance sheet. Rather, what you do is you, you would go to like what we did, and we would cut a uh, something called commercial mortgage-backed securities mm-hmm. uh, out of solely that one asset, where we would make a loan on a given piece of property, but it was so big that it didn't need anything else. Rather, it was that entire loan collateralized a singular pool of bonds. And then we would go sell the bond. And I started there just as an analyst working 100 hours a week <laughs> in, in, in the large loan group. And that was really fun, but you know, a great way to kind of cut your teeth. But that was half finance, half Wall Street nonsense, half okay. real estate. I guess it's a lot of halves, but I guess I was working, you know, Overtime. You're right, Brian. Three hats. But uh, right, three. Right, yeah, right, 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 right. I think Jackie Gleason or something. And and I did that for a little bit, and then I got a really cool call one day. We just closed a big deal for TPG Capital, which right. is one of the world's most renowned and fabulous uh, private equity firms. And you know, I had the opportunity to go work for them and their real estate group on the private equity side. And to do some creative, uh, you know, again, sort of creative real estate lending and uh, uh, high yield structuring. And that was an amazing company. I mean, that's the best company, uh, you know, non, I guess, family owned that, that I've ever worked for. That was an amazing experience of, of how to pull together not just classic Wall Street but also the actual assets of real estate okay. coupled with handling investors and pulling it all together. So take me through, because I, you know, I'm, I'm, I said, I'm, I'm third generation in the family business. I have some clients that are generational businesses, and I've been doing this podcast now 20 plus episodes with different generational businesses. And I'm talking to the non-founders, you know, the people down the generations that get involved. So how did your coming into the business go down? Was it I'm ready to come home from New York. There was a position open. Your family called you. How, how did how did that all happen? Yeah, it was a confluence of events. I was mm-hmm. coming to the end of sort of my first, I shouldn't have my first stint. It was my second stint doing something in particular for TPG. And it was kind of at a crossroads. Like, do I want to stay in New York long-term? I was then uh, engaged to my now wife who not a New Yorker, but very much like New York. So there was a whole, there's a whole side to that as well. But we, I don't think we saw ourselves in New York long-term Okay. and as much fun as it is to eat and drink and play in that city. We didn't want to raise our kids in Manhattan or really in a commuter's lifestyle. It just wasn't for us. Both of us had been suburbanites growing up in different cities that weren't New York. And I think that that's as simple. I wouldn't think of it any harder than that, that that isn't the lifestyle we wanted to raise raise a family in. And so I'd begun looking at other opportunities. And this also happened at the same time that Bernard Financial was going through a bit of a transition in that some folks who'd worked for my dad for a long time, you know, had either retired okay. or, sure. you know, wanted to do other things or moved on, you know, frankly, after you put in 20 years at anything, Makes you're sense. allowed 
to do whatever. If you want to make a change, you're allowed to make a change. I mean, that's, you know, that's two decades of somebody's life. And, you know, the dialogue was a little bit of, do I want to do we want to second generationalize this mousetrap? Okay. Do we want to, do I want to sell it and move on? Do I want, you know, do you want to be involved with this? And we really kind of all looked at each other, honestly, you know, my brother was there. He'll, he'll attest to this. We were actually on a family trip in, in, in the UK. And we were having a very frank conversation about this in an airport. We were actually delayed waiting for a flight. And, and, the conclusion was my dad wasn't done. He was still having fun. Okay. And I had now spent five-ish, a little longer than five years working for other people doing real, you know, I, I, you know, I, I want to be careful. I didn't want to just be thrown into some family business and everybody look at me, ha ha, you're only here because, you know, daddy uh, yeah. lets you in. Yeah, yeah, no, that's not. Mm-mm, no, not with where I came from. Uh-uh. And, you know, we had this real frank conversation of this was, you know, it's his business. It was his baby. It was his thing that he put all those years of time and energy into. And if he was going to even remotely consider having a second generational aspect, not only would he not necessarily know where to start with that, but more importantly, was he willing to, willing is the wrong word, was, did he believe in my pedigree and my background? The, uh, you know, the graduating top of the class, the Wall Streetness, the, the private equity, these with all the various things, my credentials, my CV, if I could hand him my CV, if he was looking for a CEO for hire as he wanted to step back and become executive chairman, did I fit that role? And forget family ties. He could have sold it. Yeah, no, it's a great way the to answer look at is, it and talk about it. Yeah, no, he was very honest and he said, yeah, all right, I, I would hire you. And that's kind of then when we started the real dialogue and fast forward a little bit and here I am chatting with you today. That's awesome. <laughs> so you, you have that conversation that candidly in, in, you know, at the airport have you continued to either on a regular basis have conversations about kind of the continuity of the business or are they irregular conversations? I'm just wondering kind of how you all approach it. Yeah, no, that's a great question. And that's almost the hardest thing. Um, to, I would say they were more regular in 2019, 2020s. We've got other things we're worried exactly, about right yeah. now. I get it. It's hard. Um, it, not it, so much from us. Yeah, we're doing all right. But at the end of the day, that's at the expense of me and my dad in exchange for our people. I mean, we haven't let anybody go. We're not going to. We're going to carry everyone and everything. We did it in 08 and 09. And I say we being my dad. But at the same yep. time, that that's the instill, in you know, that's the risk of being a business owner. That it's that that in good times, you get to benefit. And in yeah. bad times. You, you, I don't know. I mean, it's not, a, you know, I don't think of it like union employee for life or anything like that. I, I just, I think of it as you do well by your people in the good times, you ought to do even better by them at the bad times because we don't, we're a service business. There's, there's no product we manufacture, no physical nuts or bolts that we do. What we provide is a better answer 
to folks around the, around the Midwest, around the country, around Detroit, looking for commercial real estate debt in an efficient and correct manner for what they want to do with it. Great. We provide a better option for them than other people. There aren't, you know, it's not like there's a million people who do what we do, but, but, but there are others. And frankly, you wouldn't, I mean, we're eons larger than the next largest group who does what we do in town. And, and the clientele list of, of the folks that we work with is also sort of the who's who as well. And that's because simply put, <laughs> I feel like Avis, we try harder. Well, we do. And it's all about our people, man. That's great. It's a service business. Same, same for us. And I mean, I, yeah. I, I find it, you know, real interest in sort of the founding story, your entry into the business. Yeah. It's very tough in, in this 2020 to be doing, you know, visioning and future planning with a freer mind. Cause you're dealing with, you know, minute to minute, day to day, month to month. I mean, all businesses are, they, they, they have to be, but what, what has you excited about? Like what's a next milestone for, for this business or for you? I mean, what's, what's a few years out? What are you, yeah, what, that are you dovetails. What, what are you trying to do? Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. That dovetails a hundred percent into actually even the previous question, which, which, which is how do we talk about going forward? Yeah. How do you take a mousetrap? and second generationalize it. I know I've said that before, but I'll say it again. It's a really good mousetrap. And how do you new and improve it for next time? And that's where I come in. And that's the hardest part, honestly. It's doing, doing well by doing good by our existing clientele, but also expanding the circle into some next generation developers and owners, but also in this world where it, you know, people get sold a bill of goods that's just ugly in terms, you know, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of different ways commercial real estate debt can look out there. And I'm finding that a lot of younger developers either learn they, i don't know who was teaching them they just maybe they just learned to to you know they, they know how to build stuff but to finance it it's a little bit clunky and ugly maybe that's just the natural path of of how people learn learning experience, and yeah. uh, you know it, it, right an experience exactly and i Wisdom, would say maybe yeah that i find myself i find myself spending a lot of time a great deal of time working with other younger or half generation above me developers trying to undo some bad habits that might've been picked up in the last five years when money was just super easy and super cheap. And maybe they weren't using us. Maybe they were using somebody else. Maybe they were going directly to a lender. You know, I can't say why people have bad debt. Um, I can't say why people choose to do, uh, I can't say why people choose to buy a Nissan instead of an Audi or a Volkswagen. I can't, you know, or, 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 or what have you, you know, what I can say and what I can say that I focus on extensively is showing people how we go about finding efficient capital and how we go about thinking how to most effectively mix together leverage and structure and, 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 and cost for the borrower 
so that they not just work with me one time, but work with us down into the future. And that's been the pitch that my dad, that goes back 30 years, that we've got a better way that we approach it. Our people look at this in a more creative light and just look at the folks who we already work with. They'll tell you too that, hey, if I've used this person, this person, man, those Bernard people, they really know what they're talking about in and out. And that, and so I guess to bring it full circle, what's most important for me is continuing that legacy of doing right, honestly, and with integrity by our clients, keeping a lot of the folks who have worked with my dad in the past, well, saying, hey, yeah, hi, I'm Joshua Bernard. And yes, I'm Dennis Bernard's son, but you know, if you knew Dennis, you know me, that we're going to keep doing all the right things for you and never miss a beat. And so that's the next milestone for me is to really, as my dad, you know, continues to head towards this almost executive chairman role where he's, mm-hmm. he's taking less of a, less of a, a, a role in the day to day, but more in the global view of the business, just taking more responsibility of the day to day all the while keeping along and doing what we've done so well over the yeah. years without and, missing a beat. And, and, you know, you and others have to applaud him for doing that and seeing that move because people who are founders, creators, build something, you know, giving up some control, some responsibility, some of those other things, some do it, come back in, go out, come back in, you know, and, and I, we've seen those stories. And so, you know, how that goes about over the coming years will be, you know, something that'll be the question. Yeah. yeah, They have to work through it. How do you, how do you, you know, how do you rip this baby out of my dad's hands? And I say that lovingly. Right. And it's a mix of reminding him that he was, he believed in me and that he was even, look at my, you know, hold you, hold me. He held me to a high enough standard where he could have said no when we were really, or just now I'm going to sell it. You know, a couple of years ago when we started talking about this and it's believing in your own belief that your way of not only was it upbringing on a personal perspective, but upbringing so that here is this. So what if it has the same last name, little kid become teenager, become educated individual, become successful, self-sustaining adult. Oh, by the way, who's also quite adept at doing the same thing. And I think now, now, you know, a few years after you joining all that, he's pretty proud of this idea of you being there and, 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 and right. Shifting to this idea of, well, I would, yeah, I would, I I would hope so. I, I, you know, my sense of it, you talk about. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I sense it. Um, but you asked what you asked earlier, like, do we talk about succession planning or not? Not really. I don't well, think so do, is that's it, because is it, is it yeah. you get is it that you get together? I mean, some family organizations get together, to talk about things and they talk about everything but the issue at hand. Others don't get together yeah. and talk about it at all. Yeah, there's a lot of that. There's plenty so of that. A little sure. dancing around. Do you see the game last night? The this, the that. And you kind of like, no, we need to talk about this. I mean, that that's not uncommon part of why I do this podcast so other people can hear and go, Oh, we're dealing with the same thing. You know, how do you get, yeah, no, I get those things addressed and without, without them having to be addressed in a, in a stressful or a distressed time or place. You know, and it's interesting you say that because that's the same thing. You know, there are plenty of other 
I, I, I have gone out of my way to go talk to other second and third generations as well and to get their idea. You know, the same thing you and I are doing here yeah, today. I just record that them. You don't know what you don't know. And it's a bit, yeah, right, yeah. right. And it's a bit of almost taboo to talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, 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 you're right. I wish there was, I think it, I would be lying if I said that I didn't wish there was more of a fluid or open dialogue or, or so- plan at hand. But and I'd also be lying. Do you find that sometimes it takes but, another person, not not necessarily another family member, but you know, when you're sitting with your CPA? Oh, it takes a third party. party. Yeah. It takes it takes a trust. It takes a trusted, trusted third party. Advisor. And by the way, you want to tell me that if yeah yeah you want to tell me though if we figure this thing out and we go into third generation, I got a kid doing this and I'm not going to be the same. Come on, lest I be so vain to think to think that the apple will fall that far from the tree. But I say that, and I I you know, that's a quote I don't want. I don't want this clipped out, so to say. I say that in a, but it's all okay. Each business, mm-hmm. I'd be lying if, I started to say it earlier, I'd be lying if I said that it wasn't all okay. It is all okay. Because every business has its own, like we talked about lore and culture and yeah. histories and stories and goals and how we look at, how we or anyone just looks at the day to day. and. This isn't something that happens often, happens generationally. And to say that we've done this before is not true because we haven't. Right. That there's a manual that goes along with how to do this. Well, no. So I'm not entirely sure that I could sit here on my high horse and say, well, we should talk about it more because maybe that's not the right approach. I think. We're getting there, but more of it is I need it, – it, 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 it's about doing right to all the shareholders. shareholders. <laughs> there are no shareholders. It's a privately held – The family but, yeah. but Stakeholders is probably the mm-hmm. right – is probably the, be- the better term. Doing so that everyone goes home happy. And is everybody going to get exactly what they want? No. But – are we going to get pretty darn close or at least work real hard to get pretty darn close? Yeah. I have no doubt in my mind that when the appropriate time is there, the bandaid will get ripped off. Cool. Well, talk, talk about how you all make decisions. And I don't mean decisions for that best financial guidance and way to you know, yeah. structure the, the, the debt for a, 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 you know, a, someone who's developing real estate but for the operation of this business, how do you, I mean, do you have regular uh, sort of operational meetings? Um, yeah. I just, how, how are you, how are you making those decisions? How are you doing that? Yeah, that's a tough question because I would say that I have a lot of influence in making sure that I don't overstep bounds. I do like to sort of test some of my ideas or general constructs with some of the other institu- folks who've been here a while, institutional okay. knowledge. I do run things by, by my mom, who's a, like I started with just a, a, a brilliant, loving individual who is calm when there are storms around. And so <laughs> I very much like her level-headedness. I, I, I guess... A lot of it's by gut. Okay. 
a lot of it's by, I would say, educated gut. Great. And what yourself are you looking to get better at? What's a new skill? What's something you're working on for your own self? I think listening to the people in and around me, um, there's 30 years of history in these walls. And there's a lot of excellent folks who've been around much longer than I have. And just making sure that their voice isn't lost in translation. This isn't about, I, I don't see it just as some blind succession plan or some blind, Hey, the kid's name is on the door. It's yours. No, it's, these are people, these are people who hold a stake too. Sure. And these are people who, who it's, it, it's not, it's not about money. It's about, uh, these are people who could make, who could even make more money than I do at the end of the year. It's not about that. It's about, it's, a, it, 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 it's about doing, I, I keep coming back to this. I didn't realize how much I really have, am ingrained with it. It's about doing right by my people. Yep. Cause they've done right by, by us. Yeah. And you've got that, you know, what's, there's an old saying about in a, in a conversation, there's you, there's them, there's how you see them, how they see you, you know, so you've got to be dealing with how you see yourself, how others see you, just given some mm -hmm. of the things that you've got going on as far as a family generational business and name and pedigree, as you mentioned. So that that's pretty neat. So when you all, um, how do you yourself get away from what's your, what's your escape? How do you get away from the family business? What do you, what do you do for fun or um, to clear your head? Yeah. It, yeah. It's a little 2020 has been a little different for that. I'll it, yes, that much. In broader times. Then actually living in, and then right before that living in New York, all those years in a little you know, apartment with my wife was also not, you know, working a hundred hours a week wasn't great for my hobbies. I, I, I should spend a little more time on myself. Come to think of it. <laughs> I, um, I do play the piano. That's very okay. calming for me. I love to cook uh, all across the board. It's not like there's one thing. I, I'm pretty solid at some French, classically French stuff. Uh, it's some Asian techniques. I'm, you know, no, there is really no sort of food. I'm a big food person, as is my wife. We travel the world eating all different sorts of foods. So we'd like to, you know, if there's a particular dish at a particular restaurant in some far-flung place that oh. we once had, Let's go recreate that. And if I have to go figure out how to buy a tijin in Detroit, which is this Moroccan sort of clay pot thing, then I'm going to go figure it out because I want to use the method of cooking that was used to create this, That's you know, it. this sort of dish we were talking. And so there's a lot of that. I, um, I like to read. I uh, do quite a lot of, of, of reading about United States history, uh, in particular the history of the wars, uh, working through some elaborate, detailed World War II uh, sort of D-Day tactic type stuff right now, which is usually not so my, – my wife would say it's uh, about as interesting as watching paint dry. Oh, um, I'm, I'm with you on that stuff. I become much more of a story. Those are th and, then, and then out – and then outside, I love to ski. I, I was a, a state champion skier, ski racer back in, in high school. And so to me, um, there's, there's sort of no mountain on the face of the earth that, that would scare me. And so. And when you get together as family, I mean, you mentioned that 
conversation at a UK airport, so you probably already answered the question, but you get together, you know, a normal Thanksgiving, which this won't be era. Do, is it, are they like board meetings or do you talk, do you all talk about uh, other things where are people rolling their eyes because you and your father are talking about the business? All of the above. Okay. Um, you know, it's kind of, it, I, I think of a dinner, a, a Friday night dinner a couple of weeks ago and I brought up something business cause it, was there and then my mom and my dad were like let's not talk about business right <laughs> so i got sent back to my corner but like four <laughs> minutes later my dad brings up another business thing and then it's like all right well okay i guess we are talking about business you know i think it's just separation of church and state is not ever going to be easy at family affairs sure. but that you ask me things that i could do better that's a good one okay i think my yeah. wife was i think my wife is sick and tired of me talking about business at home and and you know, a couple last questions. I mean, you know, uh, what what advice would you give to someone who's like you, next gen, about to enter uh, a business that's got some family to it? What would you, yeah. you know, because as you said, you're learning on the fly, and there's no manual for this stuff. So, what would you tell someone who's a little behind you in that path? Call me. Okay. Call me, and yeah. I'll call me, and I'll tell you. Take a deep breath, and it'll be fine. It's frustrating as all nonsense, and it doesn't make a whole lot of logical sense some days. I did it twice. But that's only some days. Right. I did like right. you. Same amount of time in New York. Came home, family yeah. business, young wife, kids. I left for a long time and then came back yeah. in again. So I actually had the entry two times. I didn't thought about it that way. but um, Yeah, no, it, it, that, that's, that's, a really good, that's a really good point. It's... It's always going to be there. I would say, take a deep breath. It's okay. We'll all get through this together. And at the end of the day, look up at your corporate logo or look at the signature in your email block and realize this isn't just a family business. What you're going into is it's a 30-year-old institution. Yep. There, have been, there have been far larger far more advertised success stories and failures that have all happened in that time in the interim. And here you are looking to keep the name going. There's got to be something cool in that. There's weight to that. Well said. Uh, two last questions. So the, what would you say, I mean, it's still early for you in your journey on this, what is now a generational business, but what's the, what's the most fulfilling thing for you about that? I don't know how to describe it because it's hard to describe when you've actually found a calling. Okay. You read all these books, these Malcolm Gladwell things. <laughs> you listen to some of my dear friends. One of my, uh, I, I, I don't want to say who because I don't think it's public yet, uh, but one of my dear friends who I went to high, college with, I mean, just hit it. In the, in the tech and media world, just hit it big and sold like half of his company for like a hundred million dollars. Um, you know, guy uh, just, and he found his calling early on and we've often joked about this, mm -hmm. like b b between ourselves that it's like when you fall in love or when you taste like a ridiculous bottle of wine for the first time, 
or you see a sunset in Zion, or you come across these moments in your life where words or verbiage or this weirdo uh, human trait that we have wherein we use vocal sounds to attempt to describe feelings and thoughts, where it all doesn't matter, right? Because you know your home. And I used home, the word home earlier in that that's what drove me back. That's what drove my dad back to make a home here in Detroit with my mom. There's this warm sentiment that comes with the comfort of one's home, where your heart is, where you want to be, where you just know that if you were doing something else, even in the worst of days, even when I'd like to talk to my dad about succession and he doesn't want to talk about it, that you still know that there isn't anywhere else that you'd want to be. That's great. Uh, That's lovely because the idea that there's a job and then there's a career and then there's a calling there's some writing about that. There's, you know, it's, it's easy for people to read and go, that's what you're trying to find. And not that many people are fortunate enough to find that. Uh, and because if you get, you get glares, if you talk to your own adult children about that concept or whatever, but it's, it's great to hear you say that. And it speaks to yourself, but also the firm that your father and your group has built. So any, anything else I forgot to touch on? I mean, it's um, you have clearly a a passion for what you do and and um, and a pride in it and you've 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 learned a lot but you at least admit you know you're still learning too which is great we all are I hope lifelong learning there's a ton I still have to learn let's be su- that that's a snippet that I mean there's you're always still still learning there was a I found I was reading one of our industry rags the other day just in a somebody's trying to do an entirely new product around well, I don't want to bore the listeners here, but basically something I'd never even thought of and it's going to be useful. And that's interesting. Mm. And I'm trying to get the first one of its kind done in Michigan right now. And to say it's a challenge because most people haven't seen it or heard of it yet. That's great. But to say that mortgage backed securities were a challenge and most people hadn't heard of those yet in the eighties when Louis Ranieri kind of, came up with them at Sally's and now they're, you know, the, 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 the biggest piece of the bond economy, you know, like you got to always start somewhere. And this business started somewhere and I don't know, it's not going to end anywhere in the, in the, in the, in the, in the near future, in the near future. Thanks. Well, well, Uh, take a message actually. (laughs) The whole reality of the question about the future of commercial real estate. I mean, you're in the you you've got to deal with the realities of, as you said, your own business and keeping the team intact. But you know, I mean, every industry has uncertainty. But there's there's a lot of change or a lot of discussion of what's going to change in how right and and how commercial real estate is applied and used as you're in your office and, and I'm at home with an office that we're making plans to, you know, when do we re-enter that appropriately safely? Yeah, that's going to be a big 
that's going to be the theme of 2021 and 2022. The flip side of that, of course, being that folks, everybody I talked to who's still working at home in a way would like to leave home again. We're humans. We're social people. Right. Right. Whether, you know, so maybe the answer is socially distant offices. Maybe the answer isn't piling a thousand people into a skyscraper, rather piling 500 people into that yeah. same skyscraper and having better airflow and filters. I don't know, but I think yeah. that's probably the right path. Things are going to change. Well, I, Joshua Bernard, I thank you for doing this and give for my getting to, to know you and your story via this format. I, I think, um, you, you, you know, you represent what I'm trying to do with this podcast, which is the idea of, uh, you know, people that have learned some things kind of outside of their family business and then what they're learning and doing as they, cause you know, I don't love the word succession cause it feels very much, um, you know, like, well, that show hits like a, a show, home, home, it? but you know, the experts talk about <laughs> continuity and it is a flow and there is a process that goes on there. As, 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 as next gen people start to make their mark on a business and ultimately take it over, run it, do things with it, make the, make small and big decisions. And sounds like you got a great head for that. Uh, any last thoughts or we'll. No, just, I'm just gonna keep, keep doing right here and, and work with my dad in the transition and, just keep doing right by our clients and by our people. That's really the moral. Lots of changes, and that's a good thing. Super. Wish you best of luck with that. Thanks. Thank you for listening. Special thanks to Sam Daly, Eric Head, and Joel Bienenfeld at SMZ for helping make Generation Excellence, well, excellent. Until next time, I'm Jamie Michelson.